Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poon. This is episode 159. I am joined today, as always, a glorious day, an eventful day. Uh, but I'm joined by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, what's going on? I thought you were going to say, I am joined, as always, by my glorious co-host. I would never <laughs> say that. I know. I was <laughs> flabbergasted at such an illustrious introduction, but... Uh, I guess it was a nice day, especially in the world of Nick's Twitter, so I'll take it for now. I'm doing all right. How are you, Schwinn? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, can't complain. You know, we got a new Nick now, and we're saying farewell to an old friend, uh, somebody near and dear to all our hearts, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But before that, I should introduce our guest. It's her... Third time on the pod? I think it's your third time. Is that right? Um, second or third? I, I to be honest, I'm I'm losing track these days. Well, there you go. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with third. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's your third. So third time on the pod. You, her name is Lauren Gunn. That's at the Lauren Gunn. That's two ends uh, on Twitter. She is a contributor for SP Nations at Mavs Moneyball. Uh, Lauren, how are you? I am fantastic. I'm a little jealous that you have Cam Reddish on your team, but uh, I'm fantastic. <laughs> thank you for having me back, uh, and it is good to see you guys in in 2022. Here we are. So yeah. thank you for having me back. Yeah, you know, and maybe we'll we'll see. Now we'll we see. have Cam. Maybe he's a conduit to getting one player off the Mavericks. Oh, who we'll also discuss later on. Uh, but before we get started. Uh, I do want to announce that the Strickland does have a Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe to it. It would be great. Uh, if you subscribe to the $6 tier, you get access to this pod right here that you're listening to. Uh, you also get access to my mailbag that I do with Jeremy and Drew every other week. Uh, in addition to that, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we just talk about the Knicks all the time um, and make fun of every other team who is because all of their teams are poorly ran in comparison to the Knicks. Uh it's great. Uh, we also have a $9 tier where you can get access to the solo pod I do, which is Strick and Roll, but more importantly, and and honestly, far more worth it. Uh, you get access to weekly articles from both Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business, and honestly, in all of basketball? In all of writing? Yes. Uh, they're great. Definitely worth it. Uh, there are also further tiers, $15, $30, $50, and $100 tiers. Uh, if you are so inclined... Those give you access to other things like merchandise discounts. Uh, you can sit on pod recordings. You may even have the opportunity to host a pod and tell me how much of a fucking idiot I am. Uh, but whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. And without you, none of this would be possible. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to kick off the pod. Um, all right. Look, uh, the Knicks traded... They Knicks made a trade today. The Knicks kicked off trade season. Um, they traded for Cam Reddish. Uh, they gave up Kevin Knox. They gave up the 2022 Charlotte Protected first. Uh, they also got back in this trade, uh, not a huge deal, but they got back Solomon Hill, who I'm 
fairly confident will be waived, which will give me great satisfaction, by the way, because it's just one of those guys I completely irrationally despise. So waving him will be fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a long list. It is a long list, and it's not a distinguished list, by the way. It's just a list of like 90% of the NBA. Um, and we also got the 2025 Brooklyn Nets second, so I'm eagerly looking forward to tracking their plummet down the standings that is inevitable by the year 2025. Um, but yeah, look, I guess Brez just, you know, what, what are your thoughts when you saw the trade and you know, how are you, how are you feeling now? Well, however many hours we are post trade being announced. I mean, I was wondering if they were going to do any consolidating. Uh, we got a lot of dudes on the roster who are already young and need playing time and need to dribble the ball. And we got, multiple potential picks this year so i'm happy they did something with one of the picks to uh turn it into something other than a pick um as much as i love draft prognostications uh there's there's only so many spots you could dedicate on a roster to that um so you know why not take a flyer on someone like cam like he's been he hasn't been good but he's been good at things and there's some things that uh the knicks could use some help on uh namely we don't have any wings on our basketball team which is kind of a problem in the modern nba we have wings we don't have do, big wings though do we though rj's a wing I rj R, rj's a wing solely because he's so jacked so do you think of wings then differently like so burks is not a wing to you no to me burks is a shooting guard and uh, R.J. Barrett is a shooting sized, a shooting guard sized tank. <laughs> All right, so so I guess then just to be clear, then so for me it's different. See, I think R.J. like to me R.J. Burks and Fournier wings. So yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I think of like I agree with you. R.J. is obviously the only one who I'd be like, I like he's the only one that if you threw him at the floor, I wouldn't want to shoot myself. Um, even you know I've I've yeah. gone over this and like Lauren like half of. The Strickland doesn't be- like position. Everybody believes in positionless basketball at the Strickland, so they're just like, "Oh, can IQ play the three? Can <laughs> can, can RJ Barrett play the I four? Don't, hey, don't you remember, don't you remember when back in the day when people were like, "Yeah, just try Dotson at the four. And I was like, "What are we talking about here? <laughs> I've had enough. I need <laughs> rules to the world." <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, sorry, go ahead, but yeah, okay. I just wanted to understand your definition of win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I any. I was joking with Lauren before the pod, like, we don't have any long boys. Like, even RJ, who, sure, is a wing. Evan, sure, he's 6'7", that's pretty tall. But, like, none of them have long wingspans. And uh, you look at a lot of these teams, and I'm always jealous that they got all these dudes who can defend, like, 2 through 5 or whatever. And there's both good teams like that and bad teams like that. There's so many players like that, and we don't have any. We have a bunch of players who are solid, but they're just all, like, six foot six or shorter. And then... There's a gap, and then you have Obi, who's six foot nine, which is wing size, but he's not really a wing. He's kind of just Obi, his own thing. And then Julius, who is last year was like a gigantic wing, and now is more like his own. He's more like big manish this year, but he's he's evolving. I mean, Julius is he's like a you know he's like coming out of his cocoon that he was in. He's slowly evolving into something. We don't know what the hell it is yet, but it's happening. Right, like I honestly like we've talked about this before. When you, I'm confident throwing Julius on whoever, big wing, small wing, but even with him, that's still only one dude. So 
anytime we have to face like like we'll we'll talk about the Mavs game eventually, but like the Mavs have Luca. Anytime we face someone Luca sized, our best bet is really hope RJ and Julius can use their strength and that can that can get the job done. Because if that doesn't get the job done, then uh, then we'd be in some trouble. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess uh, Lauren. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as an as an outside, uh, un, an unaffected party, uh, at least directly. You know, although 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 is Cam Reddish part of the Porzingis trade? Inqu- yeah, inquiring no, he's not. No, no, we we talked about this. We figured he, he's not because technically the <laughs> pick that we traded to get the Charlotte pick was our pick. It was not the uh, Dallas pick. So like, it's not fair to be like Grimes is part of the Porzingis trade because. You know that's the pick we used. Like it's not fair to like. There's enough. We got enough mileage out of it. All right, guys. We got enough no. mileage out of it. <laughs> that's funny. I'm just checking. Man, uh, but yeah, Lauren. Curious to get your thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, it, it's crazy because Cam Reddish is not even 23 years old, and for me, when you're seeing somebody who has potential, even going into their draft, like even if you want to go all the way back to when he was drafted. And you, there's so much hype around this player. I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. After the draft was had, they ran a poll with all the players asking the players from the 20, from his draft class, remember this. who is going to have the most successful career? Cam Reddish was the answer by a mile from all of the players. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that says a lot about how you're viewed by your peers. And so don't get me wrong, uh, as it was already mentioned, his career hasn't gotten off to maybe as overwhelming of a start as some might have hoped, but he's not even 23 years old. And so it really, like, I don't want to come down too hard on the Hawks organization, but I don't understand how you can allow a situation to sour so much to where you lose a guy who's still so early on in his career. Because the reality is, is not everybody is on the same timeline. Not everybody develops at the same rate. And so... Uh, when I saw that he was available, I think last year and that he's continued to be made available, I was wondering how that was going to change or how his perceived value was going to change when he had some, some big games this season and after their success last season, but it still seemed like he was attainable and like the potential, you can see the the moments, the things that we were talking about earlier. And so the I, from, yeah. So like from an outside perspective, I'm sitting here, I'm like any team any team should be looking at this situation saying, this is a young guy, he's attainable, we still don't really quite know what he is, and even if it doesn't quite work out, he still has enough with him to where we could flip him again if we really needed to. So I was sitting behind my phone screen yelling at every team in the NBA to go make their play for Cam Reddish because I didn't think it would cost that much. And uh, I tweeted, I think yesterday, yeah, before it happened today, that I thought the Knicks should make the play, or I didn't say I thought the Knicks should. I, I said that this is the play because somebody else tweeted about the Ian Begley article talking about the Nick or yeah, the Knicks inquiring yeah. about cam. And so made a lot of sense. Uh, and so, yeah, I love the pickup for the Knicks. I don't think that they gave up that much. The fact that they got a second round pick in return should not be just glazed right over because seven second round picks, you can do some stuff with some second round picks. And so, yeah, I love the move for the Knicks, and I know some people are talking about, oh, maybe the Hawks are just trying to get some, gather some first-round picks to make a move for Jeremy Grant. Maybe, but you still have to deal with John Collins and Gallo, and until that has happened, it hasn't happened. So for me, it was a big miss by the Hawks and a fantastic steal for the Knicks. Um, yeah, so I have a few thoughts on that. Um, 
I think the Hawks, this is like, this is like collateral damage from what you do. Like, so they look, right. I understand what they did at before last season, right? Summer of 2020 or not the summer, I guess, because it was like, you know, it was like November. <laughs> like right. that's when free agency happened. Um, but they look, they went, they were aggressive. They needed to upgrade their talent. They, they felt an internal pressure to make the playoffs, which was, you know, look, let's be real. Let's, that was fueled by ownership, right? Mm-hmm. And that was fueled by the fact that we had footage of like Trey Young crying like a little baby in the hallway because they didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> um, but like, like this is this. So they, they, and they did, and they deserve credit for it. They went out and got Bogey. They went out and got Gallinari. They went out and got, you know, Chris Dunn, who isn't there anymore. But like, they went out and signed guys, right? They were aggressive about adding talent. And got praised yeah. for it. Oh my God, what a shoe in. Everybody's such a shoe in. How could you rank the Knicks in the same tier as the Hawks who are a uh, shoe in? But like, like, the, like, the, and, and it worked for them last year. I, I will say this. I thought, I thought it was kind of like a very interesting confluence of factors that played into some of the extended success they had last season. Um, I thought they benefit, like, it was easy for everybody to, to buy in middle of the season because it was like a new coach bump right that happens all the time you fire a coach you don't like everybody buys in it's great what also helped them is the fact they had constant injuries last year i know that sounds very contradictory but it helped them because they did not have to worry about getting all the guys all the minutes right it was like oh deandre hunter's out oh cam reddish is out oh so like so now there's no problem in fitting in bogey and galinari and herder because those other two guys aren't even playing right now. So they had that kind of go in their favor. And Okongu was out for most of the season. Um, so they had that going in their favor. And I also think the biggest thing, the biggest, biggest thing is they probably got the two best possible matchups they could have gotten in the Eastern Conference playoffs because the Knicks did not have the shot creation to punish the fact that they were playing Trey Young. Uh, and Philly had the shot creation. The problem is it is in the form of Ben Simmons who turns into an actual like stationary object uh, in the fourth quarter of critical playoff games. Um, Especially once you get past out of the first round, that's it. It's game over for, for Ben Simmons. Um, But like, I think they benefited from that because even, I mean, and I'm joking a little bit, but like, if you look at the, all of the underlying numbers of that series, I mean, Philadelphia like basically destroyed them in three games that they won. They were up double digits. in I think two or three of the games that the Hawks won, uh, and like all of the, you know, all of the, the day, all of the stats, like offensive rating, defensive rating, rebound, like look at all of it, just totally favors Philadelphia. And they just got into a situation and they, look, they deserve credit for maximizing. They got the conference finals. They lose in six to Milwaukee. Great season. Awesome. Um, you come back this season and you had all the success collectively as a team. And now all of a sudden, you know, you pay Kevin Herter, however much you pay him. Um, like you have already paid, you paid. Uh, Trey Young, obviously, his full max extension. Um, you know, you extend Clint Capella, and now you've got guys like Cam Reddish who's looking for an extension, right? And DeAndre Hunter who's looking for an extension after this season. And yet you have all of this shit going on. And again, it's like the disease of more, right? Isaiah Thomas has talked about this. Hilarious because he totally forgot about this uh, as a GM of the New York Knicks. Um, but like the disease of more is a real thing. Like, you know, you've got guys come back after a successful season and now they want to show all these things they've added. The Knicks experienced this, I think, uh, pretty in a pretty big way to start the season. I think RJ Barrett struggled to find his place. 
uh, Evan Fournier, who was obviously a free agent addition, he struggled. He struggled a lot. Kemba Walker struggled. Like there was a lot of struggling. There was a lot of collective like un- like just nobody's sure of what they're supposed to do, how to kind of you know blend all these things together. Um, and it's turned around a little bit. And we'll get to that because you know we watched the game yesterday. They played well. Um, but like I think the Hawks are suffering from that. And I don't think and John Collins also they paid fucking John Collins. Um, and you know, he'll, he'll probably leak to the athletic for the next six days about how fucking much he sacrificed and, you know, all the hard work he's put in to change his game. God forbid you didn't see the 15,000 fucking fluff pieces that have come out about this guy. Um, but you know, like all this stuff is there and nobody's happy with their role. And I think that's really hard to like, to navigate. And I don't think it helps that Nate McMillan has gone back to a lot of the stuff that got him in trouble in Indiana in terms of like shot distribution and stuff like that. So um, there's just a lot going on with that team. And I think Cam Reddish happens to be some collateral damage from that. And, um, you know, look, I'm not going to, I've not ever been a huge Cam Reddish fan. I don't I mean, necessarily think that this is like, I don't think this is a fleecing, by the way. I think this is like a good deal for the Knicks. Um, and I think it's a reasonable deal for the Hawks, given their situation. They have to like, move some of these fringe guys out that aren't happy and are probably stinking up the locker room. Um, you know, you have to get them out and get value for them where you can and just move on. Like it's it, the damage is done. Move on. They got a decent value for them. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I think like, like press said, we don't have any big wings. Uh, the Knicks have lost five games to Toronto and Orlando combined. Uh, those teams, guess what they have a ton of big, fucking dudes that can play three, four and five and shit. Um, and the Knicks, you could see it in the games. They lost them. Like there are just moments where that size hurts them and they don't have a response. The only response they really have is playing Julius and OB together. And that's obviously not something that Tibbs has shown that he's comfortable with. And and to be fair, there's evidence to suggest it shouldn't be something that he's super comfortable with. So like, no matter how we feel about that, that's just the reality. And I think having a guy like cam, um, you know, if he puts it together now, all of a sudden you do have one of these bigger wings, right? And I, you know, we talk about this, this is like one of the good things about Grimes is Cam is not a guy who needs to be open to shoot the ball, right? Like, like he's open because he's kind of tall. So even if you get a decent close out on him, he can shoot it. Um, and the Knicks don't have a lot of good contested shot shooters. I think Cam potentially could be that somebody like that for them. Um, you know, he also gives you an option. If you do want to go small with somebody at the four, the Knicks tried that this year at Prez. I'm sure you remember this when they tried, uh, RJ at the four in a few games. And I think like Franz posted him up and it was just like, okay, all right. Like this is, this is not a good matchup. Um, but like, you know, this gives you a little bit more ability to mix and match. So I like that. Um, and, I don't think this is the last move the Knicks are going to make, right? They 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 effectively actually traded a guy who's definitely not in the rotation for a guy who presumably you pay that price for him, you have plans to play him. Um, so we'll see how that gets managed. Didn't they say he was um, getting closer though? I do wonder a couple of things. That's I do fake wonder news. if this Kemba right. injury is a lot worse than we think, I'm and he's just not going to be back this year. I yeah, I mean that's that's great. I think it might be. I don't know, man. Like they said that, and he's every day. It's like, yeah, he's closer. Yeah, conditioning. Ooh, yeah. Like, you know, I think that's possible. I also think I'm it's so fat. Like, I have 
another move. I, I don't. Up, I'm, I'm not good at trade machine. I think that's obviously likely given roster the speculation, game. but um, like, I'm not good, y'all. I'm not not good. I'm not even not even okay. But um, I I just you, legit you wonder. Specify like you just said I'm not consolidation good. trade of some sort. <laughs> but who and and you know there's we, we've talked about. B- board Nick's Twitter has talked about of lots of guys like the Iron Fox and last year Bradley Beal and all these other people, but like I, I don't know. I just maybe I lack the imagination of Leon Rose and Brock Allen. I just I don't. You got a lot of players they can't all play, and are you going to consolidate them all? Whether it's this season or the off season, I have no fucking clue who they're going to go for. So I'm excited, weirdly, but also kind of scared. I do one thing Lauren brought this up and I do want to, I, I do think like the Hawk situation is pretty funny because, and this is what I never, I never understood this logic, right? I remember before the season after last, especially between last year and the start of the season, there was all this talk about like, Oh, well like now the Hawks, like any, tra- any star that becomes available, they have the best trade package for sure. And I'm like, I was just looking at, it, I'm like, why? Like you love Kevin Herter that much. Like you love Kevin Herter or reddish. Or like, like I mean, they had like nice ancillary pieces and they had a good season. But like, I mean, I don't think if I was like, if I'm training Ben Simmons, I don't look at their roster necessarily and look at any of those guys and like, oh man, whew, if I get that guy, shit, like I got to do that trade. I, I mean, maybe you do. I, I do think like there is a trade to be made there between the Hawks and the Sixers. We'll see what, if that happens. But like, I never really understood that. And this is just another reason why, because I'm like, I mean, these guys aren't stupid. You know, they have agents. They, they are on Twitter. They know exactly what the hell people are talking about and what the news is out there. Um, like it's pretty hard to have an entire season where like, there's all this constant noise. Like, are we going to trade for a star? We need to get another star for Trey. We need like, it's hard. And I, I just, I think this is like part of this entire situation is kind of part of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, nobody I, does I, I do spoiler think that alert they, like, should try to get Ben Simmons. I don't know if they have a package that, Daryl Morey wants, we'll see. Um, but they, yeah, right? no, well, <laughs> teams do. It's just for guys, they would never trade for Ben Simmons. Um, but like, I am very curious to see what they do because, you know, uh, Lauren, you kind of mentioned this, but like on its surface, you're like, if he's, if Reddish is unhappy, okay, but like, is this really the trade that you pull the trigger on? You've got to think that they're working on something else. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that they're working on something else, but. Cam Reddish, in my opinion, was one of the more intriguing pieces. Like, Kevin Herter, you know what you're going to get, and how much more um, potential is there to reach? Like, that's a very, I think that that's a very important conversation. DeAndre Hunter has had, you know, this injury history. Same with Anyaka Okongwu. So, you've got these guys, don't get me wrong, I like their young guys, um, but there are questions that come with them. And if you consolidate them, where are they going to go? Like, I, I I, see the logic. I think Memphis could even potentially run into a similar kind of dilemma, if you will. Um, but it's like, what? what's the timeline? When do we decide to consolidate some of these guys? And now they're looking at, to kind of, I guess, bring it back to a, to a point that you made before about them getting props for going out and signing Gallo and, and Bogdan. When that happened, 
I know they had the season that they had. And yes, you also mentioned their path that they got. I agree that sometimes the path means everything and they got as favorable as a path that you could get. But when they made those signings, I did not like it. I know that people were, they were getting like best off season acquisitions, performance, whatever it GM of the year, like whatever, everyone was singing their praises. And I didn't love it because I I felt like they were rushing their timeline. And some of these young guys were going to get kind of cast by the wayside and not because they couldn't keep up, but because they weren't going to get the shots. They weren't going to get the opportunity to develop, to get the comp to continue to build on their confidence and try new things. They were going to be pushing for the playoffs and just kind of trying to fill in the gaps, not Herder as much, but like balancing Hunter and Bogdan and Gallo and Reddish. Not that they're all, not that, yeah, not that they're all the same position, but you know what I mean? Like you can only, there, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And when they're going to be up for an extension, like there's a clear log jam that you know is approaching and not everybody's going to be happy with taking a back seat. And so it's not that you can always foresee that this player isn't going to be happy in this role. But when you've had that issue in the past with John Collins a little bit, and the signs have been there and the signs have been there with Cam Reddish, you've got to do a better job at asset management. And I don't think that they did a really good job at doing that. And now they're finding themselves in a position where you have an assistant GM making it known that everyone outside of Clint Capella and Trey Young is available. And that is never a good position to be in. I'm happy you brought up the, 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 well, not just slank, but like the, realities of having that many mouths to feed because one thing that i think knicks fans have been a little it, it's a little different because we didn't sign quite as many vets but we did bring mm-hmm. back a lot of people even if you know some of them were like no yeah and and the, and the guy the rookies we brought in are they're not slouches they're not Mm-mm. projects they're guys right. who can at least we, get spot we minutes the, we and in the case of rotation. grimes is a real player right now and like for the most part, the Knicks have a bunch of good soldiers. Like me and Schwinn have joked about this that we wish sometimes dudes like Obi or Grimes would just be like, "Fuck you, Tibbs. I'm calling my <laughs> own number. I'm taking the shot." But they never do it because they know a that Tibbs will just sit them right the fuck back down on the bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly also, they, they know the, who their the, fearless the leader is they, and they, they don't really mess with that and we wonder like a lot me and Schwinn have wondered like militaristic man, tips are these guys gotta be a little pissed that they don't sometimes get to shoot more but like <laughs> but this is the flip side is yeah guys get a little pissed and then that second athletic article uh i'm sure it's from a different source than john collins articles <laughs> mm-hmm. but like that one i didn't read the whole thing but it sounded like cam has not been cool with this situation for quite some time now uh, even before the playoff run, so uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much, how much of a leg he had to stand on, given his inefficiencies and all that. But still, like you know, right. people want to be valued, and for whatever reason, that that didn't happen. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with the Hawks as they try to navigate that, and also on our side, like, all right, Cam, you might get some touches, but like, you know, like you better relax, dude, like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to. Uh, I want to actually. That's a good point to bring up because, like, it's fun. It, it's good that the Knicks. I, I I like the the idea of the trade. I like the the risk that the Knicks are taking, especially because the risk involves a pick that, like, I mean, it, it, it's not our pick, right? It's like a other team's pick. So it's kind of like how smart you're playing with to to a certain extent. Um, but like, I, I do think it's important that you bring that up because, like, yeah, like making sure that we 
I mean, look, I read I read the athletic article about it today by uh, Fred Katz and Chris Kirshner. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. He's the guy that told everybody that if you can't subscribe to the athletic, you're poor. Um, but <laughs> but um, I'm not poor, Chris. Take that. Uh, but like, you know, uh, he mentioned that part of the motivation for Cam coming into the season was he wanted to like show what he can do, you know, on the ball and shit like that. And I always wonder about reports like this because like I do, I'm sure that's part of it, but I also think part of it is like, it's, you want to feel like you're actually important to something, right? Like, like you're getting credit for the things that the team is working towards and accomplishing, hopefully. And I do wonder if it's like not so much about, I want more on ball reps as just being as much as it's like, I just want to feel more involved in whatever we're doing. Uh, We've seen it with Evan Fournier, right? Like, right. yes, like yesterday, um, I was talking to one of my boys, and he pointed out that after the Mavs game, um, was one of the first times in a post conference because my friend's one of those crazy fans who watches all the post game conferences, and he was like, "This is the first time he's seen Evan kind of pleased despite having not a lot of shots," and it speaks to not just the number of the touches, but the nature of the touches, right? And that yeah. that's what you want to feel like because everybody knows at some point if you make it to the promised land you're going to be playing with like some Giannis LeBron James ass dude and you're not going to be able to just dribble the ball around unless you're also <laughs> like that so like it's there's just not a, a lot of Giannis's out there by the way yeah there's not but that's why I said it's the promised land not just any land <laughs> but yeah um, you want to feel valued on the court yeah and I think uh I think you you actually brought this up uh I don't know who it was uh, but it was on Twitter I saw but like there is a difference between playing off the ball with Dellen Wright and playing off the ball with Emmanuel quickly, right? Like there's a difference. Or Derek Rose or yeah, something or, like yeah, that. Exactly. There's who a all these guys, all these young dudes look up to. Yeah. They like all worship him. Um, but like, yeah, I think that's, that's a huge, huge difference. And I know, you know, people like you didn't do it on the Hawks. It's like, yeah, dude, well, like, you know, I'm sorry that you guys love all these, like these guys they signed, but like, I'm sorry that like the other thing too, like just, let's just be, completely fucking real about this like it helps that he him rj barrett emmanuel quickly and quentin grimes these guys are all on the same mcdonald's all-american team like in that same that's class true. like that's not like i mean it's a stupid connection but it's like it's a lot easier to buy into like i'm playing with my friends versus like i'm playing with dudes that i'm co-workers with you know like there's a difference there you know like yeah it's a job but it's more fun to work with your friends than it is to work with fucking Danilo Gallinari, who is like 15 years older than you, and from Italy, who you probably have nothing in common with. You know, like it's a lot easier, I think. And I, I like it's the Knicks have like this, like as as annoying as Tibbs can be, the Knicks do have this like fun like youth core thing going on, right? Like you've got RJ Barrett, you've got Quickly, you've got Grimes coming in, OB. Most his. of these dudes have had a coach like Tibbs at some point in their yeah. life who it's like, ah, oh, I hate you when I'm running suicides, but like, oh, you're so pleasant when we're eating McDonald's or whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, I always like, I liked coaches that were assholes <laughs> more than I liked coaches that were like, you're doing a good job. Um, like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? Uh, but, but yeah, like, I, I just think, I think there's like, stuff there that that helps and like let's i I will just say this flat out like do i know the inner workings of how like worldwide wes and johnny bryan and kenny Payne and like 
Leon Rose, how all of them like work together to make guys feel part of things. Like, no, I have no fucking clue. But I do think that like, I mean, these guys, like guys have talked about it. Like, yeah, it's awesome that like when we go on the road, Wes is there like on the, like he literally, he's there every game screaming and acting like me basically, but at the game, like just yelling and going ape shit. Like, like I think it, it, it kind of, there's like a very interesting vibe, I think with, the Knicks specifically in that context. And I think like, I'm actually, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. I know the, the Mavericks hired, uh, what's his name? The, the Nike guy. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, obviously oh, Nico Wes Harrison. Is, roll by Wes is one of one. Uh, but like, I'm wondering if they're like, I mean, I've watched the Mavs and <laughs> maybe, like, I'm just, well, we'll talk a little bit about the Mavs here, but we're going to save more Mavs discussion for later. But I am curious to get your thoughts on this. But, like, mm-hmm. have you, like I've, when I've watched the Mavs this year, it feels like a happier camp. Um, and it does feel like maybe there's a different energy around the team. I think the assistant coach you guys had yesterday, he looked like he was about seven years old. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I do think that there's something to having a different energy around the team. And, and it is a different energy from Atlanta to, to New York and all these kind of things. Uh, I, I do think that can do a lot mm-hmm. for, you know, we always talk, like, there, there's always times in your career, whatever you do, where you need to like move on and go somewhere else. And, and I think, you know, this could be something like that for a camp. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.